Hello everyone and welcome back to Sourdough Science with Sav. As the semester comes to an end, so does our genetics research project and this podcast. This will be my last episode as I share the results of my unique microbe analysis and the analysis of this semester's sequencing data. As I mentioned in the previous episode, we experienced some delays getting the sequencing data back and had to change up the project to be able to finish before the semester ends. So we did a unique microbe analysis on the sourdough starter data from last semester. For my unique microbe analysis, I chose to compare samples 49 and 50. Sample 49 was a control starter and sample 50 was an experimental starter containing peaches. These two samples were grown, observed, and submitted by the same individual from the same environment. The unique microbe that I found that was present in the experimental fruit starter but not in the control starter was Gluconobacter oxidans. This microbe has been studied extensively and has been associated with sourdough before. Its entire genome has been sequenced and many of its specific genes have been studied and even deleted in certain experiments. Gluconobacter oxidans is known for its incomplete oxidation of sugars, alcohols, and acids. These findings didn't really give me any insight into my original research question, but it did allow me to hypothesize which samples this microbe may be present in in our spring 2021 data. While researching this microbe to determine if it has ever been associated with fruit used in the experimental starter, I found very little information linking the microbe to peaches, but various sources indicated that this microbe is commonly associated with other fruits, such as apples and ripe grapes. Therefore, I expected to find gluconobacter oxidans in experimental fruit starters containing apples, grapes, or peaches when analyzing the data from this semester. I also wondered if this microbe would be found in starters that smell like vinegar, since gluconobacter oxidans is a type of acetic acid bacteria. So just as a reminder from the previous episode, my original research question asked, do any control starters and experimental starters grown by the same person have different microbial compositions and which, if any, environmental factors may have influenced them? Because my research question was focusing on environmental factors while the unique microbe analysis focused on the microbial compositions being due to differences in the starter's contents, I did not think this analysis would tell me much about my original research question. For example, the control starter sample, number 49, did not contain gluconobacter oxidans, while the experimental fruit starter containing peaches did. Much of my research was focused on how this microbe could be associated with or linked to the presence of the peaches or some other type of fruit. So when I formulated my hypothesis, I was focused on the presence of fruit again. I thought that when I analyzed the data from the semester, I would find this microbe in a starter containing apple, but not in the control starter from that same person. After analyzing samples from the spring 2021 data, I realized that this was not the case. For this semester's data, I analyzed samples 87 and 89. Sample number 87 was a control starter, and sample number 89 was an experimental fruit starter containing apples. Instead of finding my unique microbe in just the experimental fruit starter, I found gluconobacter oxidans in the control starter, the experimental starter containing apples, and another experimental starter from the same individual, which contained mango. 
It was really interesting to see that there was actually a larger percentage of this microbe in the mango starter than the apple starter. When I researched this microbe, I did not find that it had ever been closely associated with mango. Because this microbe was found in all three starters, I began to wonder if the absence of gluconobacter oxidans in the control starter from last semester or the presence of gluconobacter oxidans in all three starters from one person this semester actually was due to some kind of environmental factor rather than the presence or absence of a particular fruit. Because this microbe was found in all three starters from the same person, this analysis didn't really support my hypothesis. Yes, I did find gluconobacter oxidans in an experimental starter containing apple, but I also found it in a control starter and mango starter. Therefore, it is highly unlikely that this microbe was present in the apple starter simply because of the type of fruit it contained. Although the semester is coming to an end and I will no longer be in this genetics lab, I think there are many ways this project and research could continue to be studied. With preserved samples and data, someone could continue to analyze the microbial compositions of the sourdough starters or focus more on a specific microbe that has been found within the samples. If I was going to continue this project, I would love to try and answer my original research question. Perhaps with more time, I would be able to determine why gluconobacter oxidans was not present in that first control starter I analyzed from last semester or why there was a larger percentage found in a mango starter than in an apple starter from the spring 2021 data. I wonder if I could possibly reach out to the individual that grew these samples and ask them questions about the environment in which these starters were grown. If I could go work with these samples in the lab, I think I would probably be more interested in finding out more information regarding the unique microbe I found and its genetics. I would also want to see how many other samples this microbe was present in and make note of their contents. When we analyzed the data from this semester, we were asked to indicate whether we believe the microbe we found is beneficial, detrimental, or neither to sourdough production. I do not think gluconobacter oxidans is beneficial or detrimental to sourdough production. I did not find this microbe in many of the samples I looked at, and when I did find it, it was only present in very small amounts. Therefore, it seems unlikely that this microbe has very large impact on the growth of the starters. If I could continue to work with these samples and data, I would like to explore this topic more. I would like to compare the percentage of this microbe that is present in different starters and look at their observed phenotypes to try to determine if this microbe could potentially increase sourdough growth. With those results, I would like to try to determine which genes are responsible for either the increase or inhibition of growth associated with this microbe. I've published multiple blog posts with graphs and other visual representations of these findings. I will be providing links to those posts in the description of this episode. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about the project, you can always visit my blog at springsourdose21.blogspot.com and leave comments for me. Thank you so much for following this journey that I've shared with you. And if you have found any inspiration here and have decided to begin your own sourdough starters, I wish you luck.